Let's read together uh, Psalm 23. Do you have that Psalm, Matt? Let's read together. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. A though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Will you bow your heads in prayer with me? God, open our hearts to your word. Teach us, mold us, and shape us. God, we commit ourselves to you this day. That you would speak to us through your word, that you would transform our hearts, that you would give us courage in all that we do. Amen. Friends, this morning we are continuing our journey into Psalm 23. This is a beautiful psalm. Uh, and uh, I have learned a lot as we uh, read through this psalm, and, um, and I would love to see your feedback uh, that, uh, that we've asked for earlier that I made mention of. Uh, if you could fill this out and put it in the offering plate, we would really, uh, I would really appreciate it. Uh, last week, uh, we heard the promise of the shepherd uh, that would walk through the valley of shadow of death. I heard uh, one preacher who described it this way, that we were reminded that when we are called to walk through the valley of shadow of death, we are not called to camp in the valley. We are not called to camp when things are difficult, but rather we are called to walk through the valley, that God walks with us and God journeys with us and takes us to the top of the mountain. It is at the top of the mountain that we find hope. At Mount Hope Church, we, that's who we are. <laughs> we are a place uh, that gives hope, that we are reminded of that hope, that even though we walk through the valleys that are difficult and dangerous and scary, that we come to the place of hope. And Psalm 23 resonates that for us, that we are a people who walk not just in the valley, but we are a people who come on the other side, on the mountain of hope. Amen, Mount Hope. Amen. This morning's verse uh, is this, um, even though um, this morning's verse is, uh, we read this, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. This morning's verse puzzles me the most. This was the most uh, um, difficult sermon for me to write um, so far because I just, Every time I've read this verse, I never really quite understood it. Um, And I read it before uh, reading through the eyes of the New Testament, but I was thinking, is it really, was the author really thinking about the New Testament? You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I I didn't quite get it. What What does that mean? See, the all through the psalm, uh, we've been talking about the shepherd 
the analogy of the shepherd, how God is our shepherd and we are his sheep. And here the shepherd is saying that he's going to set a table before our enemies. Let's play, let's play this out with the same analogy of the shepherd and the sheep, right? Let's play this out a little bit. The shepherd is here, and one of the primary responsibilities of the shepherd is to keep his sheep safe, right? Imagine the shepherd intentionally taking his sheep and preparing a table so that the wild bees, the bears, and all that want to harm the sheep are right there in front of him. That does not make sense to me. Literally, the wild bees want to devour the sheep. And here yet, we are told that I will prepare a table before you in the presence of my enemies. You will prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. What does that mean? Why would you do that? Why would a shepherd intentionally take his sheep and put them in harm's way? We're all through the Psalms so far. We've been reading as to how wonderful the shepherd is and how great the shepherd is. But this, this was hard for me to kind of comprehend. Why would the shepherd do this? Why would the shepherd intentionally take the sheep and prepare a table with the enemies all around him? Why? Let's take a minute and sit with this. Why would the shepherd do that? Maybe we need to reflect this um, in our own way, in our, in our own life. And kind of ask ourselves this question. If we've been saying all along that we are the sheep and God is our shepherd. I want us to think about what would that mean for you and I? What would it mean for you <laughs> to say you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies? What would that mean for you? What is... What would that mean for you? Let's take a minute for a second and, and ask this question. Again, being reflective as we look at this phrase, you prepare a table before being the presence of my enemies. Let's ask the question, who are your enemies? Who are your enemies? Who are the ones in your life that might be trying to take you down? Who are the enemies that would like to harm you? Now we can see them, right? We can see who those bullies are in our own lives. And what does it mean for God to say that he prepares a table for us before our enemies? What does that mean for us? I think God is reminding us that there is no need for us to be afraid to be afraid of our enemies. There is no need for us to be afraid of those who bully us. That God prepares a table before your 
enemies. There is no need for us to be afraid to run away from those who we perceive to be our enemies. I'm reminded of this story that comes to us from Numbers chapter 13. See, Numbers chapter 13 is where we find the Israelites who were enslaved for 400 years and they were, they were literally running for their lives away from the armies of the Pharaoh. And God miraculously rescues them, all of them. He takes them out of slavery and he leads them into the wilderness. And there they're walking in the wilderness in hopes of having their own land. That is their hope. That is their goal. They want to go and they want to live in a land called Cana where God's promises finally will be fulfilled. The promise that God made to Abraham so many years ago is going to be fulfilled. And they are so close to reaching this promise. They're so close to reaching this promise. And Aaron and Moses are the two leaders that are leading these individuals through the wilderness. There's a lot of drama that happens in the wilderness. I don't want to focus on that. But one day what Moses does is he brings all the people together. He says, I'm going to send 12 spies out into this promised land. Go spy on the land and tell us how great this land is. Just, you know, just go explore it. Come back. Give us a report. And then these individuals, right, these 12 people from 12 different tribes, they go into the land of Cana. They go there and they explore and they marvel as to how beautiful things are. It was nothing like what they had seen in Egypt. This is what we read in uh, Numbers uh, chapter 13. They come back. And they gave a report to them, saying that the land is fertile and it's filled with goodness. But then, and then, this is how they describe the majority of them, all 10 of them. This is what they say. The land through which we have gone to spy out is a land that devours its inhabitants. All the people that we saw are in are of great height. One translation says that they are giants. The people that we are supposed to go and conquer, these people, yes, wonderful things are there, but the people who are living there, they are giants. And we feel small. And then they are having this discussion about like how great, how prosperous this land is, but the people that we need to take this land from, the people who are already there, they are giants. And they're the ones who are going to destroy us. And then in Numbers 14, something crazy happens. There's this whole rebellion that takes place. Because these people are afraid of those inhabitants, those enemies that are living in the land of Cana. There's a rebellion that takes place and there's a coup that happens where they want to overthrow Moses and Aaron. And they actually try to overthrow them, elect new leaders so that they can walk back to Egypt and live as slaves. No, seriously, this really happened. You should check out Numbers 14. See, God was preparing a table for them before their enemies. And the Israelites were afraid of their enemies. And they wanted to run back. They were freaking out. They were panicking. They preferred to live in slavery than to face their enemies. 
than to face the promises that God will deliver them. Friends, are you afraid of your enemies? Are you afraid of your beliefs, of the ones who bully you? Are you running away from the people that seem to have power over you? I have seen what bullies can do to individuals and how difficult it is for us to face up to those who bully us. Friends, I don't know what is happening in your life at this moment, but I want you to know that the God who says he is our shepherd is reminding us not to fear our enemies, not to fear those who bully us. Yes, they might strike fear in our hearts, but remember the shepherd that is our God. He promised to walk beside us. He promised to lead us beside still waters to find green pastures. He's the one who promises to walk with us in the valley of the shadow of death. And remember that today, God is saying, I'm going to prepare a table for you in the presence of your enemies. Are you ready to face your enemy? Are you ready to be at that table and look in the presence? And be in the presence of your enemies. To be in the presence of your bully. Moving away from the shepherd analogy for a minute. What do enemies do? What do bullies do to us? They take something away from us. Just, you know, thinking about a stereotypical bully story in a middle school. What do they do? They take your lunch money, right? But I, I would argue that a bully takes something more than that. They take away a part of you that belongs to you. They take away peace. When you are in the presence of someone who bullies you constantly, there's a lot of restlessness. There is no peace. But I think here God is reminding us that he prepares a table in the presence of our enemies. Friends, this image of preparing a table in the psalm, when we read it, it's about meeting human needs, right? It's about a table that is placed before us so that we can break bread together. But I believe that here the promise is God's presence is with us. That God still provides for us, even in the presence of our enemies. Friends, this image is beautiful and messed up all at the same time. I cannot stomach thinking that I'll be eating and celebrating knowing that my enemies are in my presence. But the God of hope is saying, don't worry about them. I will provide for you and I will care for you even though you are surrounded by your enemies who wish to destroy you. I think if God was rewriting the psalm, and say, don't worry about those guys. I got them. You just feast at this table. 
Come here, sit at this table and eat and be, be filled. Don't worry about anybody else. I am there with you. I will protect you and I will care for you. That is the promise that has been given to us today. That is the promise that is offered to all who call our God their shepherd. Are you willing? Are you willing to believe this? Are you willing to feast at the table knowing that your enemies are all around you? Friends, are you willing to believe this truth? Are you willing to hold this truth in your hearts that the God we worship prepares a table in the presence of our enemies and we don't have to worry about it. We can be at peace knowing that God is there with us. Whatever your enemy might be today, whatever the thing that you're scared of today, it could be a person, it could be the future, it could be a diagnosis, it could be anything that is causing you restlessness. I want you to hold on to the truth that God prepares a table, a feast for you. Even though those who want to destroy you are all around you. Are you willing to hold this truth? Are you willing to believe in this God? I'm not sure if the author of Psalm 23 was thinking about it when he wrote the psalm, but I believe that we can learn from another image of a table and what it means for God to prepare a table before us in the presence of our enemies. This story comes to us from the Gospel of John chapter 12 and Matthew 26. In this, uh, in the Gospel of Matthew, the person who's doing the action uh, is called, uh, the, in Matthew's Gospel, uh, the name of the woman is not named, but in John's gospel, we learn that her name was Mary. And church history corresponds her to be Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene uh, was a female disciple um, of Jesus. She followed Jesus all along. And um, in the gospel of John, we learn that Jesus is actually in the city, in the town called Bethany. And he's in the house of Lazarus. You remember the story of Lazarus, that Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. And he had two sisters, Mary and Martha. And we learn about this story. This story took place a few days before the Passover, a few days before Jesus was crucified on the cross. And Jesus was traveling from Galilee in the north all the way down. And while he was doing that, <clears throat> while he was doing that, he stopped at this house of, of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And this is how the story goes. In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus was reclining at the table. He was eating at the table. And we see that a woman walked in to the room. And church history usually labels Mary Magdalene as not a good person. They name her, the Gospels tell her that she was a sinful woman. We don't know what her sin was, but people have given meaning to that. 
So she was not highly favored. She was not the town's mayor, but rather people looked down on her. Rather, people would talk bad about her as she walked past. I doubt anybody in Bethany would ask Mary Magdalene to babysit her children because of her reputation. If anything, they wanted to keep her kids away from Mary Magdalene's influence. And I want to remind you that of Mary's courage. Mary walks in to a room where Jesus is at the table, reclining at the table. And she walks right to that table. And she sits beside Jesus at the table. And the room is filled with other disciples and other guests from Bethany. And this, again, is a patriarchal society. And Mary has the courage to walk into that room. And sit next to Jesus at the table. I remember hearing uh, this story from one of my professors in seminary. He was uh, doing a lot of work uh, with a tribal group um, in northern Africa. Uh, it was in the desert region there. And he said uh, that he was invited um, to have dinner with this uh, tribe. They were all camped outside, um, um, out in the open. Uh, and they said... I was invited to this tent, and I was sitting in this tent, and they brought out dinner, and he said, it was delicious. And he said, all the men sat there, and they ate. They all ate from the same bowl, and he said, it was wonderful. And he was telling us how, how gracious the host was. And he said, you know what's crazy is after we were all done eating, after we filled ourselves Whatever was left over was taken to another tent, and that's where the women ate the leftovers, and the children ate the leftovers. So it's in that context, that culture, that Mary walks in to a room where Jesus is at the table, and she sits next to Jesus at his feet. She does that. And imagine all the people that would be talking about her. Why is she here? What is she doing? And then she takes a very expensive perfume and pours it on Jesus' feet. And the entire room is filled with aroma. And everyone is shocked at the extravagance that Mary is showing towards Jesus. And they are shocked that this woman who everyone looks down upon has done such a marvelous thing. And Judas, the one who betrayed Jesus, actually starts to condemn her actions. He says, why are you doing this? Why are you wasting all this money on Jesus? We could have sold this perfume and given to the poor. He actually didn't care about it. He just wanted to find a way to condemn her. He just wanted to bully her and saying, what you've done is not good enough. And in that moment, in that moment, Jesus actually defends Mary's actions. He defends her actions and he tells them, don't condemn her. Don't judge her. What she has done is something beautiful. What she has done is something beautiful. And her story, even though you all think she's a sinful woman, her story will be remembered and Jesus adds this, wherever they tell my story, they're going to tell her story. And so here we are, friends, telling Mary's story again as she is at the table 
where Jesus is reclining. Friends, hear the good news. You don't have to be afraid of your enemies because the Lord prepares a table for you in the presence of your enemies. All you need to do is have the courage like Mary and walk into a room that is filled with people who might be judging you, you might be scared of, knowing that Jesus is at the table and he will defend you and he will speak in favor of you. All you need to do is to be willing to have the courage to walk in to that space. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to walk towards the table filled with enemies that surround you, knowing that Jesus is at the table? Jesus is at the table. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to stand up to the, bully, to the bullies who are in your life? Are you willing to stand up to whatever is taking away the peace away from you and making you restless? Are you willing to do that? And then Jesus talks about this praise. He says, the psalmist says that he anoints your head with oil. Not only is there a sense of protection for each one of us from our enemies, there is a promise that God anoints our head with oil. This image of God anointing our head with oil means that God has set each one of us, of us separate for a purpose. Anointing of oil always reflected what was done to those who were priests. The priests where they were, they had a purpose. And here the psalmist is reminding us that each one of us is anointed with oil. That each one of us has a purpose and a meaning for our life. We are not placed here in this moment just for an accident, just for the heck of it. But rather God is saying, I'm anointing you with oil. That means God has a purpose for you. God is saying, I'm counting on you to do something. Friends, are you willing to accept that purpose and run with it? Whatever that purpose might be in your life, God has a purpose for you. And he is saying, I'm anointing you with oil. And finally, verse, uh, the last part is my cup overflows. Psalmist is saying, my cup overflows. When the Psalms were written, we live in America. We live in a land of plenty. I'm reminded every time how grateful I am when you open the faucet and the water runs and you can drink out of it. For the psalmist, that was not true. For the psalmist, that was not nearly as true. The psalmist was living in a land of scarcity. They were an agricultural people. They had to depend on the rain and the sun and the harvest. They had to depend on everything else in order to be fed. In a land of scarcity, Psalmist is telling us, my cup overflows. My cup overflows. Friends, maybe physically, we might be in a land of plenty. Maybe spiritually, we might be in a place of scarcity. 
where we feel spiritually dry, where we feel like our life is empty and we need something from God. I don't know where you are in your spiritual journey this morning, but if you are feeling parched, if you are feeling empty and saying, God, I am feeling dry at this moment, I want you to reach out and know that the God who promises abundance is saying to you, my cup overflows, that he is willing to overflow your spirit with his love. That is the promise that is given to us this day. Friends, this morning I want to invite you to this. I want you to do these three things. I want to remind you of these three truths today. That God prepares a table before you in the presence of your enemies. Meaning, you don't have to be afraid of your enemies. You can just be at the table. Knowing that Jesus reclines right next to you. And he's going to care for you. That God has placed you here for a purpose. He anoints your head with oil. And if your spirit is parched this morning, may you be reminded that we worship a God who fills us. May he overflow your spirit this day. Amen.